0: You are listening to Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. I'm your host, Pat Ivey.
1: And I'm your co-host, Mackenzie.
0: And thanks for tuning in to another episode. Culture of accountability is when a lot of your athletes are doing what they're supposed to be doing when they're supposed to be doing how they're supposed to be doing it. Competence. Do your athletes know what they're supposed to be doing so that they can do what they're supposed to be doing? Are they committed? Will they see it from the start to the finish? Will they complete the task? Are they consistent? Dr. Shadel is a senior research psychologist for the Aeromedical Operational and Clinical Psychology Branch within the United States Air Force School of Aerospace Medicine. She is the lead researcher in translating sports psychology to elite performance in military operations. While earning her BS in exercise science at the University of Nebraska, Dr. Shado was a two-time NCAA national champion in the sport of track and field. Following graduation, Shado ran three years professionally for Reebok and was a 2008 Olympic Trials semifinalist. Dr. Shadle earned her Ph.D. in sports psychology from the University of Missouri. Her research focused on understanding the psycho-emotional challenges, preparations, and responses of Olympic gold medal winning athletes. Shadle is a certified mental performance consultant, chair of psychological services for USA Track and Field, and is a member of the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committees Sports Psychology Registry. She also serves as a performance consultant for the MLB and NBA by advising performance enhancement and mental health programming. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Dr. Annie Schadel.
2: Thank you so much. It's awesome to be on here with you. Um, obviously, we we did our graduate work together at the University of Missouri, so this is really great to connect back with you, Dr. Ivy.
0: <laughs> I can't wait to uh, get this thing going. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about you?
2: Yeah, so a little bit of background. So, grew up in Nebraska, uh, went to the University of Nebraska, fell in love with running. I know a lot of people don't usually like running, and and um, usually it's punishment for sport. But for me, somehow I fell in love with running and. Um, It's interesting listening to someone else read your bio and you're like, oh, yeah, I I guess I I guess I have done all of those things. Um, But really, I would say that my 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 start was falling in love with the with running and the sport of track and field. And um, I call it wayfinding. So it's interesting to see how when you follow your passions, um, kind of where you go and where life takes you. And then now where, where I am now. So I left the sport world um, about a year ago, which was. Um, took a lot of soul searching to to make that decision. I moved from San Diego, California, to Dayton, Ohio.
1: Yes.
2: so that was it. Was a lot of um, leaving my life in um a place that I love. I love San Diego. It's it's my favorite city, and to Dayton, Ohio. But um, personally, uh, I felt like I was I was I had. I wasn't learning as much as I wanted to in the sport world. And I was uh, just really curious and had this pull to learn more. And then I got connected to Dr. Wayne Chappelle, who um, I'm working with now um, at the school of aerospace medicine and um, the, the research and the work that we're doing um there now, which I'm sure we're going to further talk about. Uh, now I'm very happy that I've that I've made the move, and uh, professionally, it's it's really I've learned so much in the last year. So I'm excited to talk more about all of that.
1: Annie, having been in very involved in the athletic world, and now you are kind of on the um, armed forces and the you know the psychology of it all. I feel like there are a couple of different camps um, in terms of people's perspective on comparing athletes to trained soldiers and you know from the mental side of it especially the um the similarities of you know like a game is like going to war and some people have no problem saying that and and believe wholeheartedly that that's the case and then you get other you know people from the other camp that you know think that they're nothing alike because war is just such a different ball game altogether and training for it and things like that um having kind of been in both worlds can you speak to some of these similarities and some of the differences that you've noticed in, you know, your research and, and also your experience as an athlete.
2: Yeah, I will say um, now more than ever that I have a better understanding of what it takes to be an elite warfighter. Um, I just have so much respect um, for those individuals and I've, th- yeah, you're right with, in terms of how we compare and contrast a lot. Um, and from the research side, uh, I often say that there's so much that we can learn from the military, the sport world can learn from the military, and there's so much mm-hmm. that the military can learn from sport. And I'm, I feel really grateful to be in the position that I'm, that I'm in, where we're really looking at special warfare operators. Um, and I'm looking at it from the, of the psychological basis, but where I'm at is the research hub For the Air Force. And so I'm working with physiologists, I'm working with strength conditioning coaches, I'm working uh, with med med docs, flight docs, um, to really enhance the health and um, the readiness of our warfighters. And so it's interesting how, one, we've taken the athletic model. So the military has taken a little bit more of the athletic model in terms of how do we optimize rest and recovery? How do we build um, these warfighters And the optimization of of uh, um, the optimization of the warfighter is um, one of the terms that we use a lot. Um, And more specifically, from the psychological aspect, one of the things that I've been really curious about is what makes a person unique and what makes them what makes them elite. And what we're discovering through the research is that there are specific traits and there are specific characteristics that individuals have that are able to, one, pursue and excel in these in these specific arenas. And you kind of teed it up right really well for me. So my current research focus is really comparing and contrasting elite athletes to elite warfighters. And my hypothesis is that there are specific traits that enhance their ability to um, be successful in those arenas.
0: Wow. I'm I'm fascinated by what you've been able to accomplish, Annie, because going back, you know, just a few years ago, you and I we were both co-presenting our dissertations and we had so many crossovers looking at elite athletes that uh, you were looking at track and field athletes. I was looking at NFL football players and I look at where you've gone because you were a heptathlete, correct, in high school in, in college?
2: Fifteen
0: hundred. Fifteen hundred, okay, yeah. the fifteen hundred. Yeah. So um I look at where you've gone. You were working at the USA, um, the USOC, working with track and field. And now you're working with our military. And I I find that fascinating. And um, Andrew Paul, who's with the Oklahoma City Thunder, he told me, said, you got to get Annie on the show. What she's doing is unbelievable. She, The groundbreaking things that she's doing. You got to get her on. You got to get you got it. You just have to. So what was it in that conversation you had that excited Andrew to say, OK, I need to get you on the show?
2: That's a great question. Um, Who knows? I have no idea. Um, But I think one of the things that um, being in the sport world for a while and having that experience as an elite athlete, I I understood um, the environment, right? And I think with our dissertations, we really understood that it was important to understand from an athlete's perspective, from a coaching perspective, from a leadership perspective, what are the things that help strengthen and shape an individual? And the one thing that I feel like is really missing from a sport environment that the military has done a phenomenal job of for many, many years is being able to identify specific personality traits that these that these unique individuals have. And so from their standpoint, they're able to do, I'm going to get a little science here, but they're able to do objective measures on these individuals. So specific cognitive testing and then non-cognitive testing and personality testing to, again, be able to identify in these specific career fields, who are those individuals that, that excel? And so whether that's, if you're a fighter pilot, if you're a para-rescue, um, and these various tip of the spear war fighters that we have, um, you know, what is, what is it about that, that, unique career field? And what is it about these individuals that allow them again to pursue and excel in these arenas?
1: And in your research thus far, are you a, have you come to a conclusion or conclusions about what some of those traits might be? And, and if so, are you allowed to share them before it's published?
2: <laughs> yeah, some of them are, um, out there as published papers. Um, so there's a lot of different things that we're able to look at, and I would say the one thing that really stands out continuously. Of course, there's like various intricacies of um, how we how we're able to, um, as Doc Chappelle always says, peel back the layers to look at various things. But I think the thing that always stands out in my mind, which is is no surprise, is individuals' ability um, to manage stress and being able to stay calm, cool, and collected under pressure, and that is the thing that for sure by far um, separates different individuals. So then it comes to the questions that I, I guess I have of, is that something that's just innately in us? And, um, or is that something that our environment helps to shape? And I think it's a little bit of both, right? So my conclusions, these are Annie's thoughts. These are not (laughs) anyone else's. Um, but my, (laughs) my thoughts, um, is that, you know, if you think about your athletic development, um, and the experiences that you've had with coaches Um, various coaches, various teammates, various sports, and you think about all of those lessons that you've learned, good, bad, and different, and then how that has currently shaped you to who you are now. And so um, my belief is that it's a little bit of both, that yes, certain individuals are, are drawn to these career fields, are drawn to a specific sport, but then it's those that continue to kind of build that resiliency, go through those hard times, um, navigate through injury, navigate through um, challenging coaches, challenging seasons where you're not performing your best. Um, and also those teammates and coaches that help shape you and strengthen you to now where you are now, either at an elite level or professional level or as a special warfare operator.
0: This podcast is sponsored by Soronex Exercise Equipment. Since 1980, Soronex has been a family owned business. Responsible for legendary innovations and training solutions that have changed the face of strength training. Today, Soranex is the most sought-after strength brand for professional teams, colleges, high schools, and military units. During this process of growth, our clients have become an extended family to us, part of our brotherhood, our culture. We want to thank you, our customers, friends, and family, for being the foundation on which Soranex is built. We promise to do our best to continue to serve you with the best strength, training, equipment and service in the industry. And I'd like to ask a question that might start from a little bit more of a personal uh, perspective leading up to your research. So um, we've talked about the importance of image and um, understanding, uh, having that self-awareness. And I know I remember some of the um, most of the, the the points that came out of our research. And it, can you take our listeners through kind of your research, but coming from that image perspective as well?
2: The image perspective, as in kind of what we shaped when we were at the University of Missouri.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That and just I think just your. I think we were talking about our own image of ourselves and maybe, yeah.
2: Yeah. So I guess originally, um, well, I, I guess I can go back a little bit personal story, uh, is that, you know, I dreamed forever of making an Olympic team and I, and I didn't make the Olympic team. And so when I didn't make the Olympic team, I felt like a huge failure and I didn't really know necessarily what I wanted to do or where I wanted to go um with my life, I knew I had passion in sport um, I knew I wanted to be around sport um, and so a little bit of again that wayfinding um, and I really 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 liked mentoring and talking with athletes and I felt like there was such a strong space in being able to have an unbiased opinion um, help you kind of navigate through your world and everything that you were trying to manage. So that led me back to, learning one about sports psychology and learning that that was something that you could even do. Like, whoa, cool. I can literally sit and talk to athletes all day and do research and trying to understand these things. Like, this is pretty cool. So um, when obviously going through the dissertation process, it was a little bit of a no-brainer for me to study Olympic gold medal winners. And so part of it was a personal pursuit of what the heck did I miss that all these other people figured out. Um, but also it, it just aligned with my passions and really trying to understand what the best of the best do, how they shape their lives, how they think about things, how they overcome a bad day at practice. And um, again, there are specific things that traits that these athletes have that allowed them to pursue and excel. So more so from from the research perspective, understanding um, you know what was these athletes' experience? How did they approach their day? How did they go through hard times? Who did they lean on? What was their support system look like within themselves? I wanted to know about their own motivation, right? So, what? Why were they pursuing this? Was it clear? Um, using the framework of self-determination theory, and so using that framework to be able to identify. Again, did these athletes have a sense of control in their life? Did they have a sense of connection and belonging? Did they feel like they had the competence in terms of the knowledge and the skills in their sport that they were continuing um, to improve upon? Um, And then was that intrinsic drive there? So did they have that love? Did they have uh, that fire, that desire um, and love for the sport um, that they were pursuing or the event that they were pursuing? I mean, it was pretty clear that those athletes had those specific areas that would be important to pursuing and winning an Olympic medal. Um, so that was that was pretty clear in the research um, in that arena. Uh, another piece that we were looking at was was an athlete's well being. So again, how how did they set up their days? Was there a support system? Um, did they feel joy? Did they feel a sense of meaning and purpose? And again, all of those things um, came out in the research that yes, these athletes that won Olympic gold medals had a sense of meaning and purpose. They knew why they were showing up. They knew where they what yeah, they knew why they were doing what they were doing daily. Right. And that doesn't mean that they did not have hard days. And that didn't mean that they had they never had questions of about am I good enough? Can I do this? But they didn't let those fears override their pursuit and their love for their goal of winning an Olympic medal.
1: And so along the same lines with that identity and um, you know, having these elite athletes understand why they're showing up, did you find or did you um, encounter athletes who had their entire identities wrapped up in Athletes, and and I'm I'm kind of getting to the, the similarity again between athletics and you know elite warriors, um, because I know a lot of you know veterans come back and their entire identity was wrapped up in being in the armed forces, and then when they're not, it's like their their whole identity is lost. And and I'm sure there's athletes who, whether it's after high school or after college or after a professional career, it's a similar almost identity crisis of well, who am I without that?
2: Right, right so it's a really interesting yeah this is this is really interesting um, <laughs> so with identity, as you were asking me the question some thoughts kind of came into my mind so mm-hmm. one when we think about identity, it's something that within these specific areas it's something that we really care about right so, my identity as an athlete or my identity as a special warfare operator, like I – that's my passion, right? Like I want to identify with that because that's what I love and that's what I know. And then you also think about the connection piece, right? Like this, these are my people. This is who I want to be around. Um, and so when those things come to an end or we're transitioning out, it's, you know, one, how does that shift how we see ourselves? But then also how does that shift maybe – our support system that's around us. Um, And so I would say that many athletes struggle with that, right? So we kind of call it the Olympic hangover. We do call it the Olympic hangover. And (laughs) um, it's a little bit of that. I've been pursuing and focused on this for however many years, right? Maybe it's a four-year cycle, maybe it's an eight-year cycle for the Olympics. Um, And now that that is done, what next, right? And a little bit, I think, is all of the physical energy, emotional energy that we give to pursuing this goal. And then once that's passed, it's like, whoa, I've, I I believe that our bodies need time to kind of decompress and then be able to transition to the next thing, whatever that might be. So I think anytime there's those transitions in life, um, it, it can be kind of difficult to kind of navigate through through some of that. Yeah. Having said that, it's, as you know, the Olympic Games have been postponed until next year. And so a lot of the work that I've been um, doing with some of the athletes that, that I work with in track and field is talking about that. Um, so that timeline in terms of what we thought was going to be Olympic Games has now been shifted. And so for, for a lot of athletes, that has been a struggle in terms of their own identity and their own day-to-day and their own goals, right? And so that a lot of questions that I've gotten from athletes is, well, how do I maintain motivation right now? Because my goal has been shifted and, you know, it comes back down to dialing back and what are the things that I can do today, right? The most important thing about goals is that we can, um, they're adaptable, right? We can change and adapt as needed. And so helping them kind of scale back a little bit um, to thinking about, okay, what what do I need to do daily? Um, Now that this timeline has been adjusted and then what are the, what am I going to do with my time now that the timeline has now been adjusted? And it, and it's basically a a same strategy that we would use athletes that are transitioning out of sport of, you know, what, what things can we accomplish today and how are we going to move ourselves forward?
0: Do you find any challenges uh, addressing stigmas? Um, And was there any difference with those stigmas? Working with athletes versus working with the uh, military or war fighters?
2: Yeah, I would say, um, hmm, that's a good question. Like stigmas, as in, like what you would maybe like stereotype?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, just against, you know, stere- stereotypes, stigmas against mental health or, or seeking mental health, um, assistance?
2: Yeah. You know, we're not there yet. I feel like, um, the same stigmas with mental health that exist in our normal population that exist in the sport population, um, exist in the military population. Right. And, and it's, it's the mentality that as athletes, um, I I can outdo this, right? Like I can push through this. I can control this, or I should be stronger than this. I should be able to manage this on our own, um, and that and that's just not the case, right? And so um, the idea is that we continue to educate and we continue to support, again, military and in sport, that you know mental health is, is just like just like a physical injury, right? If you have an ankle. That's hurt. If you have a knee that hurts, you go see someone to help you take care of that, right? Um, I was on an interesting um, webinar this week, and the gentleman on there was was speaking about that, but he had used an analogy that I'd never thought about before. and that's, well, how do you know with a physical injury that it's time to go talk to someone, right? So you know, I, I noticed that my knee's a little sore today. Um, but when do you go talk to your athletic trainer, right? So when do you go see the doctor? When do you tell your coach about those things? Um, and, and then had the individuals that were on this webinar respond to that. And so athletes had a lot of things that they were sharing, um, things like, well, you know, I would try to do all the things that I could to take care of myself first, right? I would ice, I would stretch, um, I would, you know, maybe rest, Um, but if it didn't go away in a day, then I might go talk to someone. If it really impaired my, my function and my ability to train, um, then I would go talk to someone if, you know, I just couldn't get out out of my mind. Right. I was at practice and my knee kept bothering me and it was just like kind of pulling my attention and I wasn't able to focus. I would go talk to someone and, and really it's the same thing with mental health. Right. So, you know, Doing the things you you can to take care of yourself, but also recognizing when it's impairing um, your ability to uh, focus and accomplish what you want to accomplish, or, or if you're just not feeling like yourself. And so, in those ways, we still have a lot of education to do in terms of um, the care that 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 is there, um, and I guess the the stigma of like you don't have to handle it by yourself.
1: And how does that present itself in? the military. So, I know a lot of what you said um earlier about sport could learn a lot from the military and military could learn a lot from sport and um I'm pretty sure the the general population just has this perception of, you know, when you're in the military, it's mental toughness and you can't show signs of weakness and things like that. Whereas sport, um, it's it's a little bit different. There's there's still a lot of the type A's and don't want to show weakness and stuff like that, but it's not training for warfare. It's not training for life and death. So there are, it, it really could be said it's higher stakes. Um, so showing a weakness in such a high stakes situation is... Even you know more frowned upon. Do you? Or, or I guess that's my question is Is it more frowned upon? Is there a bigger stigma in the military than there is in sport, or would you say they're fairly similar right now?
2: I would say they're very similar. Um, one ways one way that um, we've been able to mitigate that a little bit in um, with the Air Force. Um, and the military in general is creating these integrated operational support teams. And so if you think about, um, as a specific group that's going to deploy, there's, um, an integrated operational support team that, that would deploy with them. And so on that team would be a psychologist, um, strength and conditioning, um, physiologist. So there's a, Flight doc, like there's a whole team of people that's going to deploy basically as their as their medical staff, right? And so, um, within those, spe- within that specific support system, the idea is that just like in a sport team, we've got eyes on our individuals and we can help care for them, right? And so we're able to recognize um, where this person, if they got injured, um, or or their specific re- they weren't ready right? So specific readiness, readiness measures, I guess I, I should say that. Um, and that whole team would be the individuals that would care for um, and make sure that everyone was ready to go.
0: Any Dr. Shado, I'm looking over your bio and I'm like, you know, what is this? What is senior research psychologist? for the Aeromedical Operational and Clinical Psychology Branch within the United States Air Force School of Aerospace Medicine. Like... (laughs) I just read that yeah, again. I know. Like it's what I know. is that? Does that on
2: your business card? <laughs> no, not really. What is all yeah, that? Yes, so I said. I, you know, I, I, uh, I feel like I have to just say that I, I am still new to the military world. So I am. I that was probably one of the hardest things in transitioning to this job, where I was like, I have no idea what people are telling me? Like, cause there's all of these acronyms and, um, there's a specific like vocabulary I would say. And so a lot is like learning the layers, learning the structure. Um, they call it alphabet soup when you've got all the acronyms. Um, so that, that's been a huge, uh, transition for me in terms of just learning and understanding the complexity um, within our military. And again, it's, it's, it's been, um, pretty incredible to learn about. And again, just like so much respect for our our active duty, um, men and women. Um, so I can, I can describe to you the layers. I think, I think I might get this right. I might not get it right, (laughs) but uh, yeah, so I am in the school of aerospace medicine. So this is the research hub for the United States air force. So again, tons of research comes out of here from engineers, um, to, you know, we've got epidemiology. I've, I've met a lot of our epidemiologists and, again, have a ton of respect for them as well um, during this pandemic. Um, so we are – I'm at the 7-Eleventh Human Performance Wing um, in the Air Force Research Lab. And so there's lots of different layers um, in terms of, like, our structural structural place. Um, but really I am, I'm a part of the Air Force Research Lab, um, and we we focus. I'm in the human performance wing.
1: Um, but so inside of the Air Force, do you guys, or how much do you guys, if at all, change in, or exchange information with other branches of the military? Because I would think yeah. you know, for the sake of eliminating redundancies, it would be helpful to kind of know what the research in the other branches. Might be doing so that you can either, you know, complement each other or use each other's research to build upon and, and things of that nature. So, how much is there coordination between so that way you can take advantage of of all the people that are doing this excellent research?
2: Yep, we're basically all working together. The long and the short answer is we're we're always working um, with the other branches as well. Um, some individuals on my team right now uh, just submitted a research proposal uh, with the Army. And yeah, we're always um, basically kind of finding each other, finding uh, the leaders that are working in these specific um, areas. So psychology, we work with we've worked with a lot of different people. So it kind of just depends on the project, um, and then who who has the population that we're working with or studying, um, and who has done previous research. And so yeah, it's really fun to be a lot of be a part of a lot of these uh, bigger research projects that are going on throughout throughout all the branches of the military.
0: Dr. Shado, we're going to have one more question and and then we're going to wrap this up. You also serve as a performance consultant. What does that entail for the, for major league baseball and NBA? What does that entail?
2: Yeah. So it just kind of depends. Um, But really uh, whether that's education, whether that's helping shape programs, uh, whatever support systems uh, that, that, specific group needs and wants. Um, definitely mental health, again, has been a big been a big push. Uh, the NFL pretty much led the way in a lot of that. Um, so, again, it's just kind of helping advise and set up programming for them. So, um, obviously, there, this is a little bit of a new space in terms of what the support system can look like and should look like um, for those organizations. And so I feel super grateful that various individuals have, have reached out um, to specific professionals to be able to help them shape and develop their own programming.
0: That's awesome. It's been a pleasure. This segment has flown by. I can't believe it. Um, yes. It's been great <laughs> catching up with you. Um, yeah, I, thank
2: you so much. This is awesome. Yeah.
0: I wish you the best con, much con, continued success. And um, if you could, can you tell our listeners where they might be able to find you?
2: You know what? I I was saying before that I I am terrible at um, social media, so you can email me. My email is a shadle, S-H-A-D-L-E, then the number one at gmail.com.
0: That's perfect. Thank you so much for being with us and uh, have a great day. Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond Sets and Reps, where we provide the performance edge. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, Soranex Exercise Equipment. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. You can find show notes and more at beyondsetsandreps.com. That's B-E-Y-O-N-D-S-E-T-S-A-N-D-R-E-P-S.com.